one. Surprise! <laughs> what is up? <laughs> we are back on this early Tuesday. It is noon Eastern time, and it is uh, whatever time it is in Arizona, nine o'clock West for most of you. Uh, <laughs> this is Football Life Presents the Audible, episode 83. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside Matt Bushnell, switching things up on you for the rest of the season here. Hope you guys can join us for our daytime edition. Matt Bushnell, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Randy. I am a swall. It's 10 o'clock in the morning in here because Arizona is just odd. You know, we do things a little bit differently than the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's still early for me. But talking football, fresh off that Monday night football game, Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of a better way to start my day, sir. (laughs) <laughs> well, we are going to talk about all the primetime games and we're going to talk about the rest of the games. We're going to split up what we normally do on a Tuesday and we're going to do them in two separate shows. So housekeeping are all right off the top. This is going to be a week 14 recap show. Every Tuesday now will be a recap show of the previous week. And now we have a special show now on Thursdays that will be looking ahead to the following week. We will talk about the matchups. We'll talk about gambling. We'll talk about fantasy. Uh, we'll talk about all of it. So we hope you guys like how we're splitting this up a little bit. It's the same content, just split up, maybe a little bit more attention for the games ahead. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to give this a shot. But, you know, Matt, before we recap all the games, we have to start the show on a somber note. And, you know, unfortunately, when this, these sort of things happen, it truly breaks my heart. And I do feel like the least we can do uh, to honor their lives when someone dies is to speak about it. So uh, on Thursday night or Friday morning, I woke up, found out Demarius Thomas, the former Denver Bronco receiver, Super Bowl champion, uh, multiple time pro bowler had died. He was found dead in his house in Georgia. Um, Still specifics are kind of fuzzy there, but it seems to be a medical episode. Uh, Totally breaks my heart when I see someone who is in their early 30s uh, go through something like this and someone you watched. And honestly, I look up to most NFL football players. I just think to get to that level is something I respect a ton. So um, for me, I I don't I don't handle death very well, to be straight up with you. So um, I I feel like this is the least we could do, Matt. So uh, the Broncos honored him in a beautiful way for the game. I thought the Lions did the same. Um, any, Any thoughts on Demarius Thomas today? Yeah, a lot of things you hear about Demarius is regarding how good of a football player he was. He was an even better person. And when Demarius had a quarterback like Peyton Manning, he was a top five NFL wide receiver. He, he was very, very good. So much so that there, there is talk that, you know, maybe Hall of Fame chatter. I, I don't think he gets in just because the length of the career wasn't that long. He got injured and it, it was just never the same. Um Matter of fact, that's actually leads into his car accident that he had a little over a year ago, and he was suffering Mm -hmm. seizures and some medical episodes. And it got so bad that he asked his family to come live with him in Georgia. And then we all know that he passed away in the shower, um, tragically, um, Mm -hmm. due to those medical complications from that car Mm -hmm. accident. But by all accounts, really great human. Uh, We need more guys like that, you know, in this world in general. Very kind, very giving, um, really did a lot for his community. The things that always stand out to me is seeing those videos of Demarius Thomas giving back to the kids, um, spending time Mm -hmm. with them. And that's one thing I'll implore everyone, you know, throughout the holidays, um, as we're coming up on Christmas and his birthday happens to fall on Christmas. um, I always say this to my kids and to my wife, time is the one gift that you can never give back. Once you Mm -hmm. give it, it's gone. So make sure that you tell your loved ones you love them, spend, you know, the time with them during the holiday season and just try to be that person that you want to be. 
you know, we, it's a cliche thing, but tomorrow is truly never promised for any of us. Our life could be gone in an instant. We don't really know when it happens or when it will happen. So you have to appreciate every single day that you're here on this earth. So um, it would be something I regretted if I didn't bring it up when this sort of thing happens. Um, just to add some perspective to how great Thomas was, and to your point, he probably won't make the Hall of Fame based on longevity alone. Um, but he had uh, four years in a row where, um, let me get this right, four years in a row with 90 receptions and 1,300 yards. Um, and he, only three other receivers in history to do that were Marvin Harrison, Jerry Rice, and Torrey Holt. And those, that's a great company to be in. Uh, Thomas is second, all uh, second in Broncos history in, rece uh, in reception yards and second in t touchdowns only to Rod Smith. Um, he is a franchise le legend by all accounts when it comes to the Broncos. Um, he actually, he was drafted in 2010 with, uh, in one of two fir uh, first round picks for the Broncos, the other being T and they had one of the more memorable playoff moments that I'll, I'll certainly never forget. Uh, Tebow hits Thomas in overtime to beat the Steelers, and Thomas takes a slant to the house. It was so crazy in the, at the time. Uh, everyone obviously made it about Tebow, but Thomas truly made it all the work on that play. <laughs> so uh, looking back, he really was a remarkable player, and I could think from 2012 to 2017, he really was top five, top ten receiver. And in, in 2014 and 2013, the two Peyton Manning record-breaking seasons on the Broncos, uh, Thomas had 14 uh, – 1430 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns and then on in 2014 he had 1619 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns he was an absolute stud and to your point we talk about football a lot but as what you do as a person matters so much more and it seems like to me he was so revered as a great guy so uh it seems, it seems like we lost a good one here and it, it just makes me sad so the least we could do matt is take a second off the top of the show and pay our respects to marius thomas absolutely a good man Gone too soon. Uh, hug your loved ones. And, you know, like Matt said, spend some time with them this holiday season and maybe watch some football. So uh, the thing that truly unites us as a world is society of sports. And that's why I love it so much. That's why I'm here with you, Matt. And this is why we're here talking about this with, with everyone today. Um, no easy way to transition out of that. I feel like I say that every single time, but truly there's not. So um, before, though, Matt, let's play our little fun game. We try to get back into the mood here. 83, episode 83. Um, Thomas, we're 88. I'm sure in a couple of weeks when we get to 88, we can mention Mary's time again but 83 is our episode famous wide receiver number who comes to mind for you two, two guys i'll go with the bear first willie galt really known for the super bowl team he was really that stretch the field type of wide receiver track star could have went to the olympics he was that fast and then andre reed hall of fame wide receiver for the buffalo bills it, i i think he's in the hall of fame pretty sure he's in the hall of fame but i believe he is yes yeah yeah so great players Definitely. Um, I think of Wes Welker. Um, uh, obviously, he was really good with the Dolphins and the Patriots kind of just said we can do great things with him. <laughs> he went to the Patriots, obviously, uh, and then ended up on those Broncos teams and with Peyton Manning and, and alongside Thomas and everything. So uh, he he was uh, the standard for slot receivers for for a while in the NFL. So I think of Wes Welker. And then I think of uh, another um, fallen wide receiver, and it just turns into a really sad segment here, but Vincent Jackson, um, yeah. really good wide receiver for the Chargers and the Buccaneers for a long time who also passed away earlier this year so number 83 uh not to be sad we're gonna make this a happy show unless you're Corey Decker in the comments section which I appreciate you watching this my friend but the Rams on Monday Night Football making a statement over the Arizona Cardinals uh, they win this one uh, 30 to 23 in a game. I expected Arizona to come out and um, play play much better than they did. But from the very first snap for the Cardinals, Aaron Donald just made it a point to say, we're here. I know we haven't played well totally lately, but 
I am the best player at my position, maybe the best player in the entire sport. We're going to be in this game. And then you had a nice game for Matt Stafford. Uh, you had an OBJ touchdown again. Cooper Cup is an absolute stud. Yeah. This was as good of an all-around performance as I've seen from the Rams, especially against a good team, a team that I think is really good anyway. Uh, I would say even a contending team in Arizona. Um, I think this was very important for the Rams to show the world that they are capable because a lot of their wins have come against bad teams. And a lot of their stats, I would say, have come against bad teams. I'm very impressed by the Rams in this game. And this was without Jalen Ramsey, who gets put on a COVID list before the game, and Tyler Higby, who also got put on the COVID list before the game. The Cardinals at home are weird. All three of their losses at home, they're undefeated or on the road. Um, This is a huge divisional matchup. I don't know if it changes the standings that much uh, um, in the NFC. I know the Packers now have home field, which is obviously big for the rest of the the conference. But as far as the uh, NFC West, I don't know how much this changes. But Matt, what did you think of this, uh, this matchup here? I mean, it was a it, it was an interesting game. Um, I think two things that stood out to me was how surgical Matthew Stafford was, just mm-hmm. putting the football in perfect places. So much so that this is the best game I've ever seen Matthew Stafford play. He's had some really good games. I mean, we take a look at the stats. He was twenty three of thirty for two hundred eighty seven yards and three touchdowns. Um, the touchdown to Coop to Cooper Cup really stood out to me because he put that ball <clears throat> in one of the only places that. Cup could have absolutely caught it. OBJ looks so good this game, so smooth, in and out of his routes, very smooth. You know, really that gazelle type. He's not going to be as physical as I think he used to be, but still he can outrun almost anybody on the team. I just loved his route running ability. Really, really stand out. I mean, Cooper Cup, we could talk all day about him. Um, the, the two things that stood out to me looking at the Cardinals, and I know Corey said they did drop to the three seed. Yes, Corey, I'm sorry about that. I was hoping they'd stay in the one because there's a team that got into the one seed that I'm not very happy about, but that's okay. <laughs> um, the first interception on Kyler Murray, um, my biggest issue, when you have a quarterback that's about five foot ten, five foot nine, I, I knew Drew Brees was really successful at this, but the physicality you're trying to improve on that. I don't understand why they're trying to keep Murray in the pocket in the red zone. At that point, you have a lot of bodies confined in there. I would have liked to see some boot action there, roll Murray out. So that way, you know, they can't get hands on it because the ball got tipped. And I believe, um, was it Von Miller? No, I don't think Miller intercepted that one. I can't remember who intercepted that. Floyd. Uh, Leonard Floyd got the second one, didn't he? Yeah, he made a great play. Oh, you're talking about the first one. Oh, some linebacker for the Rams who got the first one. I don't remember his name, though. Yeah, and then the second one, Murray did roll out. And and this is totally on Murray, where he rolls out, he throws the football, and Leonard Floyd, keeping the as a Bears fan, having Leonard Floyd, I can tell you one thing. He is excellent in pass coverage as a linebacker, one of the best linebackers to drop in coverage. He's six foot five. And I think his wingspan is larger than that. So Murray tried to, I I, I don't know, because it didn't look like he got a lot of loft on it. He tried to touch throw it there. I mean, it just wasn't there. You know, you got to know who you're playing against. You got to know how big Floyd is. Tips it up and catches it. A great athletic play by Leonard Floyd. I mean, that's what you should really come to expect out of him. He's earning every cent with the Rams. looks like a totally different player. Very happy for him. He's a great guy. But at at the end of the day, Murray can't make decisions like that. Um, Either he needs to run and threaten the line of scrimmage more to suck up Floyd, or he does have to run it 
and let Floyd drop back, you know, maybe do a little pump fake action there. But it was just really a bad decision-making play there. And as much love as we give the Cardinals, I don't understand. They get in these offensive ruts sometimes where you just wonder, like, okay, are you going to run the football more? Are you going to throw the football more? It just seemed inconsistent. And the defense, first of all, their secondary is bad. It got abused by Van Jefferson Cup and OBJ. Um, so much so, I think if OBJ was there at the beginning of the year, Randy, I think this is a one seed. You know, I, I think they might be the best team in the NFL. Um, my biggest issue with the Cardinals is they can't cover wide receivers like the Cooper Cups, like the OBJs, and that's going to be a problem for them. It really seemed like they wanted to take away the run game but I don't get it. Sonny Michelle had 20 carries for 79 yards. So just under four yards per carry, which is not bad. Um, But to to me, the Cardinals got to pick some poison here. Buda Baker's great, but the rest of the secondary, I'm not too fond of. And that was, I think the main concern for Cardinals for the Cardinals and Cardinal fans in the off season, (laughs) they really wanted to address the secondary. Uh, Obviously they signed JJ Watt who hasn't played in weeks uh, big impact there, but you're right. I mean, they play a team who can really air it out and kind of match their style of play. It's going to be a problem for them. Um, well, I'm impressed with the Rams because I think their roster is top tier. And it, when they get Jalen Ramsey back, it is even more elevated. I was, I was impressed by how the rest of the secondary stepped up in his absence, because to be honest with you, Arizona is not an easy team to defend. Um, Kyler is not an easy person to, to contain. And then you have obviously Hopkins who had a, a brutal game to be quite frank with you. He had three drops, um, one of them on fourth down in the red zone. Uh, they need to have that. Um, you know, uh, Rondale Moore is a really electric, um, <laughs> AJ Green had a nice game. He was seven for one Oh two. Um, but I mean, right now, Zach Ertz was quiet. The Christian Kirk had a deep ball, but I mean, James Connor is the primary <laughs> playmaker for this team right now. He uh, had 13 carries for 31 yards and he had nine catches for 94 yards. He had a wonderful <laughs> one handed catch in traffic. Um, and that set up a, a red zone, um, attempt for the Cardinals, but, uh, <laughs> I'm just impressed by the, the Rams. I think the Rams needed this. And, and I, I, what I meant earlier is when the NFC West, the, I feel like the Cardinals really have to fall apart here to really lose the NFC West. I think that they have this division. There's still a game up on the Rams. And even if they were to lose again and the Rams won out, they're tied and um, the Cardinals have a better conference record. This has a huge impact on the rest of the conference because now you have to go to Lambeau Field <laughs> in the postseason because the Packers schedule isn't all that difficult. It doesn't look like they're going to lose another game. Um, everyone really wanted the Cardinals to be the one seed because no one cares about Arizona. And everyone's like, oh, cool, we can go play in that weather. And then that dome, like that would be an ideal uh, place to go play. And the Cardinals home field isn't that great to begin with. Now things start to get interesting. We saw Brady go into Lambeau last year, beat the Packers, but can the Cardinals do it? Can the Rams do it? I don't know if that's possible. I really think we're headed to another NFC uh, title game between the Packers and Bucks, but we'll get to that as we get to it. But this, this is the game that has the, the, the the implications on that. Yeah. I, I, I thought the Cardinals, you know, this is not the best football that they play. That's for sure. Hopkins can play better, mm-hmm. but to me, it's just indicative of, all right, you have some real issues with this team and there are going to be some teams. We saw the Packers go in there into Arizona and beat them. We now we've seen the Rams go in there and beat them. So we really have to see something from Arizona to really think, okay, are they better than the bucks? Are they better than the Rams right now? I, I, 
I, I don't believe in those teams really underneath those top three. I think the top three is very structured in the NFC. It's Packers, Bucks, the Cardinals, probably in that order right now. Um, after that, Dallas has got to get back on track. I, I know we'll talk about them. They, they had a good showing this week, but um, I still like the Rams more than the, the Cowboys, though. I think. Yeah, and that's fair. But th- th- then once you get past those five seeds. You know, yeah. six and seven are garbage. It, it throw away teams. I wouldn't even concern yourselves with them. Yeah, so this had big implications on the NFC playoff picture. But for the NFC West, just a nice win for Sean McVay and the Rams. And I will give a special shout-out to Cooper Cup. He had 13 catches for 123 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. The guy has been the best receiver in the league this year. Maybe Devontae Adams has something to say about that. But those two guys, I feel like I've been another level than the rest. My guy Odell, 6 for 77 and a touchdown. Happy for him. Third straight game for a touchdown for him. Uh, and then Ernest Jones is the guy we were talking about with the first pick. I couldn't think of his name, but we got it now. So Ernest Jones. Okay, Ernest Jones. All right. Well, that's Monday Night Football. Do you want to skip Sunday Night Football, Matt, or do you want to – no, I'm kidding. We're not skipping Sunday Night Football. Uh, I don't know what the America's obsession is with the Bears, but they're not even done with primetime. They've got to get into one of those again next week, so that'll be fun. Uh, but Sunday Night Football, the Packers, much to my regret or whatever, they covered the 12-and-a-half. Thanks for nothing, Bears. Uh, but – they win 45 to 30 on Sunday night football over Justin Fields and the bears. Uh, I mean, the bears had a, about as good of a first half as you can have uh, on special teams. <laughs> and I mean, other than the offense, really, <laughs> it was, uh, they made a lot of plays on, it was, hey, there's three aspects to the game. We got to play all three. So um, the bears really came out and, and I thought played pretty decent, especially well, at least in the second uh, quarter. Um, they took a 27 to 21 lead in the halftime, which, I thought I was looking pretty on that cover there, but um, <laughs> it, things turned for the worst in the second half. Uh, Rodgers on his fractured toe went 29 to 37, 341 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions. This guy, uh, I don't really know what else to say other than just continues to own the Bears. I'm so sorry, but uh, it's the reality of the situation. Um, Fields, 18 to 33, 224 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. This feels like a part of the um, growth process for the Bears and for Fields. Um, I, I just need to see him out there. He needs to go through all of this. This is part of the process. Uh, I thought the Bears ran the ball decent, 23 for 137 as a whole, um, but the Packers offense overall and Rodgers just – too much between Adams with 10 for 121 and two touchdowns. And then uh, the Dylan Jones combination is really good out of the backfield as well. The Packers are not a one seed by accident. They look the part. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. The thing that worries me is like when they have those lapses, when you can't put together four good quarters, they can really come back mm-hmm. to hurt you, especially against a team like the Bucks, um, the Cardinals, and probably the Rams at this point. But to me, it just comes back to – I'm going to talk about the Bears first, and I'll talk more about the Packers here. Um, the, the concept of this offense, your quarterback has three cracked ribs. Um, he's coming back, and the first play of the game, you go empty. Like, no, no added protection, nothing. You just empty it out, and you start airing the football out. David Montgomery had, I believe, 10 carries this game. Ten. One in the entire second half. You were up going into halftime, and then you're down by one point coming out of the, you know, when the Packers get the ball back and they score the touchdown there. He had one carry. It is totally inexcusable, Randy. Like, I, I, I can't even 
I'm tired of talking about this. I'm more apathetic now, but the game plan is stupid. So let me focus on fields. That first pick six, well, the only pick six, but that first interception he threw was absolutely brutal. The route concept was bad, but as a quarterback, and I, I think this is something you learn off of, you, you have to figure out what throws you can make in the NFL versus what throws you can't. You can't throw that football on that route. If you're going to throw it right when he breaks in his route, you have to get the ball out of your hand right then and there. Once he turns, that ball has to be there to avoid that DB breaking on it so much. But, you know, it was a bad read, bad throw. Timing was off. So, you know what? Learn from it. Um, most of the game, it's just no protection, Randy. All, all game, he was getting sacked. He was getting hit. It was just the entire stinking game. Um just getting pressure up the middle. Jason Peters got hurt. They brought in Tevin Jenkins, their second round pick. Um, he, he's got some traits that you like, but this was his first game back after back surgery, his first action in the entire NFL. Didn't have preseason, none of that. And you put him at left tackle against Preston Smith and give him no help. You're like, all right, go one-on-one. -on -one. And I mean, this is just the bears in a nutshell. I'm, I'm just, I get so sick of talking about it because it gets so aggravating, but saw <laughs> now to the Packers. Cause I'm just done with the bears. I, I just, I don't even care. Aaron Rodgers is so accurate. I could take six throws from this game and I can tell you no other quarterback in this league can make those throws. Yeah. They, they just can't do it. Um, the touchdown pass to Aaron Jones, my God, like it blew my mind just out of the reach of your defensive tackle, dropping back in zone coverage because uh, it was a zone blitz scheme there and him just be able to put that ball. And then the Devonte Adams touchdown, you know, before halftime, just quarterbacks can't do this. They shouldn't be able to do this so often. Aaron Jones has the, I'm uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers has the best touch in the entire NFL. It's not close. He can do things. He can put the ball in places no one else can. Devontae Adams is the most skilled wide receiver in the NFL, but bar none. And I, whoever wants to say Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup, the, the, those are great guys. I'm not going to deny them their place in here. But Devontae Adams has the size, the speed, the route running, that move in the end zone that he put on Jalen Johnson. And I'm going <laughs> to touch on this in a minute. But that move, step act like he's going fade and then cut it back mm. in on that slant was unreal no db yeah. in the nfl can cover that you, you, it, why he's single covered in the red zone that's is, that's what you should be bad about <laughs> yes like why are you you're hanging your i mean i get it he's great jalen johnson's a really good corner in the nfl you know it was a nice draft pick by ryan pace but putting him one-on-one -on -one with the best receiver in the nfl in the red zone stupid just absolutely stupid and then Matt Nagy comes out and is like, well, I don't know what second half adjustments they made. Let's talk about Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn entered the game with 12 sacks, left with 14. All He got two in the first half. Then, you know, by God, Matt LaFleur had a great idea. Let's chip them every play. We mm -hmm. don't think anybody else can beat us on your defense, so we're going to chip Robert Quinn every play. Took him out of the game. That was it. No more Robert Quinn because they got a smart head coach. And then, like, offensively, Let's put Devontae Adams in the slot. Jalen Johnson does not know how to play slot. They abused the Bears slot corner, like just abused him. And Matt Nagy comes out and says, I don't know what adjustments they made. 
Well, that's why your ass is getting fired, and that's why the Packers are going to go to the NFC Championship game. I'm, I'm just telling you guys right now, I, I don't know who can go into Lambeau in that first game and beat them, because I don't think it's going to be easy. I actually think it's going to be a rematch, like you said, Bucks packers Yeah, I mean, they just look so good. Rodgers on, on a fractured toe, I can't say it enough. I mean, still looks like he hasn't lost anything. I mean, he... he He's the combination of every quarterback that anyone has ever said is great. I mean, he can put, if he could put it all together in the playoffs, make another championship run, I think people would start considering him in, in that top three situation. I mean, he, he has the anticipation, he has the placement, he has the arm strength, he can, has the touch, he has everything. Like the way he flicks his wrist, like just watch him throw the ball. No one else can throw it like him. No. And it's beautiful. It's, it is truly an art to watch. I know that he's kind of an asshole as a person. <laughs> uh, I know that he's not that likable. I, I, I love watching the guy play football straight yeah. up. Uh, and, and they have weapons. They have a good offensive line. And uh, I mean, this, this should be the year that Green Bay uh, represents the NFC in the title game. Uh, as for the Bears, I just need to keep seeing fields out there. And I need him to, I, well, I don't know if Nagy's capable of this, but <laughs> utilize your weapons. Give Montgomery more than 10 carries because he had 42 yards. Why not give him a little bit more love? Uh, where I know Robinson came back from injury, but he had six targets. He had two for oh. 14. Man, there's players. Robinson gave up in this game. He, he okay. got the help. Well, Cole Komet had a brutal fumble too, right? Okay. I mean, there, I'm, I'm done with some, him. Yeah, well, you look at this this box score and the whole story. If you watch the game, just look at the box score. This game changed and was won in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time there's a bad team or a bad, poorly coached team, look at how they do after halftime. And the Packers have scored the Bears 17 to nothing in the third quarter. And the game was over at that point. And then the Bears were down, what was it, uh, 38 to 27. 27 and it was fourth down and they kicked a the field goal. Like, I, I, okay, yeah, I guess it's one score game at that point, but I don't think that's coaching the win necessarily. There's still enough time. Rodgers came back and they scored again. So, well, and the biggest indictment is it's 38 to 27 as well, and it's fourth and inches, and yeah. the Bears elect to punt. I mean, that, that's just you're four and eight. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? I'm just, I'm done with them. Yep. And uh, Packers are 10 3. Uh, six and zero at home, and it looks like they have home field advantage in the NFC. The Bears four and nine, uh, helping my Giants get a good first round pick. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be good, all right. Greatly appreciative of that effort. If you want to stick Andy Dalton out there too for the hell of it, I'm cool with that too. Uh, but the Giants and Bears play each other in a month, so that game is going to be interesting. Yeah, could be for the number one pick. Uh, Lions aren't going to win enough games for that. Do they do they play the Bears again? <laughs> <laughs> they got the Texans still, the Jags. There's too much clutter at the top three. So yeah. Uh, all right. Now Thursday night football feels like forever ago, but it happened. Um, the Minnesota Vikings hang on despite having a seven, uh, despite having a twenty-three nothing lead at halftime. Uh, they hold on to win thirty-six to twenty-eight on Thursday night football over the Steelers. Uh, a mediocre game from Kirk Cousins on primetime. Who could have thought that was possible? Uh, he went 14 to 31, 216 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. This 
much to my just overall disappointment and anger uh, was the Dalvin Cook game. Uh, he, was, he wasn't supposed to play early in the day Thursday. They announced that he was going to play. Me, as someone who has Madison in a couple leagues, was very upset about that. Also was playing against Cook in a couple of other leagues. Really didn't like that either. He had 27 for 205 and two touchdowns. Added a catch for 17 yards in there as well. Cook was out of his mind in this game. And then the Jefferson experience, still really, really good. Seven for, for 79 and a touchdown. K.J. Osborne filled in for Adam Thielen nicely for three for 83 and a long 62-yard touchdown in the second half to sort of seal this one. Um, But to me, Matt, this game came down to one boneheaded decision by a wide receiver on the Steelers. Now, this isn't why they lost. They can't go down 23 to nothing and expect to win the game, but they were driving down eight. They have a chance to score and maybe go for the two-point conversion. Chase Claypool, who was a big reason the Steelers were even in this situation. He played very well in the second half. He had eight catches for 93 yards. Um, He catches the first down. There are no timeouts left. There's roughly 15 seconds on the clock. He gets up and he points first down. The ball gets knocked out of his hands. And then all of a sudden, there is just three seconds left for the Steelers. Um, Very frustrating play for Claypool if you're a Steelers fan, Um, but ultimately not why you lost. Um, But you react to this game, Matt. Spiking still in the NFC playoff picture and the Steelers while in fourth place in the AFC North picture also have a chance to win. So um, what do you make of this? It just feels like a lot of mediocrity all around. Yeah. I, I think these two teams are evenly matched. If they play a hundred times, they might split 50, 50 because I don't think either of these two teams are exceptionally talented. The one thing I will say is I think the reason why it leaned the Vikings advantage was because TJ Watt got hurt. I mean, if TJ Watt stays in the game and it starts getting close like that, you expect him to make a play. Um, Honestly, the biggest thing to take away from me is Dalvin Cook's that dude. You know, every every team needs that dude, and Dalvin Cook is that guy for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins threw two brutal, just absolutely brutal interceptions, and this is what we've come to expect from him. He had two touchdowns, which is nice. I mean, that one touchdown to Osborne was, you know, a very pretty throw. And I give Cousins a lot of credit for it in a very key moment because he just felt the momentum was going all the way to Steelers. And then that touchdown pass to Osborne really helped bring that momentum back towards the middle part of it. But, you know, I I, I think it comes with Claypool is – I think Tomlin's a really, really great head coach. If he ever got fired, he'd have a job tomorrow. Yep. or within the hour after he got fired. Yep. To me, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's comment is so indicative of it and why I think Ben Roethlisberger is so poisonous in a locker room because no quarterback that I look as leader, you know, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would have tolerated it. I don't think um, – I could tell you right now, Tom Brady would have ripped the guy's head off. Yep. P- Patrick Mahomes would have given him a near full – Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of these great quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, but the Rams are just so well coached and they understand offensive football, mm-hmm. um, you know, like OBJ having a really heads up play by staying in bounds and getting down to keep the clock running. Um, just indicative of that. And Peyton Manning would just absolutely had Claypool cut the first time it happened because Manning just wasn't going to deal with that. It just speaks to the quarterback. You're the leader. You know, you're supposed to be that guy. You know, it's what when you look at these young quarterbacks, you want to see if they can do that, how they command the huddle, how they command their team. Like, this is not what we do right now. And I just, to me, when Ben Roethlisberger says that's a coach thing, go talk to him about it. Yeah. It says who Ben Roethlisberger's always been. That's been the type of guy he is. 
you have to correct them in that instance. And that's why the Steelers are where they're at, because we saw Peyton Manning with a noodle arm, not being able to really push the ball downfield at all, lead the Broncos to a Super Bowl, and why Ben Roethlisberger just can't seem to get a win when they need it the most. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, I think, has been fortunate to have Mike Tomlin uh, as his head coach for, for his entire career. Uh, well, for most of his career. Bill Cowher uh, star. Well, Cowher, Cowher also lucky to have him too. Yep. <laughs> uh, ben in this game actually played decent on a lot of this in the second half of the fourth quarter and they scored 21 points, but 28 of 40, 300 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Um, this is, this feels like Ben Swan song. I, I know it came out that he doesn't think he's going to come back as the Steelers quarterback. Why would the Steelers want him back at quarterback? He can't move. He's slow. His arm isn't the same. Uh, I think he's putting together a decent final season, and that's good for him, but I think he's done. <laughs> I think you could watch it. I think you could tell with Phillip Rivers last year that he was done, and I think you could tell the year before that that Eli was done. All four, all three of these 2004 quarterbacks, they had wonderful careers. Uh, they're all Hall of Famers in my book. They, You could tell when they're done, and Ben just feels done to me. And uh, that quote is not going to help his case here. No. Um, I feel like they would be happily taking on a guy like Marcus Mariota or you know Gardner Minshew and be a better team next year. Mitch Trubisky. I could see that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ben, I feel like, is holding them back uh, quite a bit at this point. But, you know, the Vikings still alive. The Steelers also somehow still alive. And TJ Watt, to your point, they need him. They would have very little wins or success this season without him. He, yeah. he <laughs> makes a big difference. And he also, you know what else made a big difference? They let go of Melvin Ingram um, like five weeks ago and gave him up to the Chiefs for, I believe, a sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick, and it has transformed the Chiefs' defense. Since Ingram got there, the Chiefs are 5-0 and and allow, I believe, less than 20 points a game. So maybe Ingram was more valuable to the Steelers than they thought at the time. Yeah, well, do, do you want to talk about that one? Uh, well, we can start with that one, I suppose. That wasn't the first one on the docket, but sure, let's jump to the third game on the docket here. <laughs> We're going to move on to Sunday's slate, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs crushing the Oakland slash, not Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to throw a dollar in there because I knew it wasn't Oakland. I said it anyway. Uh, <laughs> so the Vegas Raiders, they didn't even deserve to be from Vegas for how much they shot themselves in the foot in this game. Before the game even started, the Raiders gathered for a little meeting on the Chiefs logo at midfield. And that was the, like the only time they meet reached midfield until like the fourth quarter in garbage time. <laughs> boy, oh boy. The first play of the game, just Josh Jacobs fumbles the ball gets returned back for a touchdown and that was basically all she wrote for the Raiders the Chiefs win this one 48 to 9 domination my god the Chiefs are back Pat Mahomes 20 to 24 258 yards two touchdowns the Chiefs also added 130 yards rushing but it was all the defense and the Raiders now feel like finally they are toast Matt Yep, I'm, I'm putting the grave on, or the dirt on their grave right now. I'm burying them. They are done. Of all the stupid things you do, you know, there, there's a list of things you don't do. You don't spit in the wind and you don't tug on Superman's cape. And what you did at Arrowhead, Las Vegas, was completely Bush League, stupid. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's no reason. You got destroyed by them earlier in the year, and you thought going onto their logo in midfield was going to somehow give you some extra inspiration. Look, I love what the Chiefs are doing. And if you're watching football, anybody that wants to doubt the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is why they're going to go to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, right now, 
they have rebranded them themselves right now. They are physical at the point of attack. They are punching people in the mouth. They are going after it defensively. They are making a statement. Winning the line of scrimmage is so important. And like you said, kicking Chris Jones back into defensive tackle territory and let Mevin Ingram play defensive end has totally transformed this defense, has made them much more formidable. It's hard to run on this team right now. The offensively Kelsey's getting double teamed and Tyreek Hill's getting double teamed but now you're starting to see that push you know the running backs are getting involved in the passing game now Mahomes is looking at different targets he's not trying to be make these superhuman throws to Kelsey and Hill Josh Gordon got a touchdown yesterday Chiefs watch out for them if they continue this physical brand of football and I, I believe they're going to I think this team is starting to roll for all the right reasons I like Kansas City a lot going forward. Oh, yeah, Las Vegas, they're done. They are absolutely uh, done. As we said, um, I mean, 48 to 9 is just, you're getting clowned at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know who came up with this great idea to just taunt them at halftime at, at, before the game at midfield. Like, what, why did anyone think that was a good idea? But you're right. They, they did transform themselves. And it's not something that you and I were even optimistic that could happen early on in the season. They were a soft team. They couldn't run the ball. Um, they couldn't figure out the cover two that teams were playing against them. But now um, they're trying to run the ball more. 30 yards, um, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire only had 37 yards rushing, but he had two touchdowns. Derek Gore had nine for 66. You know, I don't know how well he is going to be, but, uh, you know, that's a good start, I think, for them. And then Daryl Williams makes an impact in the passing game. Uh, he had three for 31 and a nice a nice touchdown grab, too, actually. But this game's going to – this team's going to be as good as uh, the defense takes them, and I think they've really stepped up here. And if Pat Mahomes can get into a groove, which seems like he started to, the Chiefs are as dangerous as any in the AFC, and I think I probably trust them more than any other team in the AFC at this point. Yeah, Henry wants to know if we think Derek Carr is going to get traded. I, I don't think so. I, I think he remains in Las Vegas. I mean, it would be a – I don't know why Vegas would do it. I think he is their franchise, but I, I do think other teams will be interested, yeah. and I think they should be because I think he's really good. Well, keep, um, keep in mind, it was Gruden fueling those trade talks this entire time. So maybe they know what they got in car and they just sh shut it down at that point when Gruden's finally gone. Yeah. Like, I don't know what Henry wants from us. Like the chiefs have won five in a row and now look like the cream of the crop in the AFC. Uh, why wouldn't we talk about them being a potential Super Bowl favorites? I, I'm, I'm confused. This is kind of like what I, conversations I have with my family about me working in news. Like all oh, thing on the news is COVID. Okay. Well, there's literally a pandemic happening. Do you not want me to cover it? Henry, is that what you want me to lie to you? <laughs> Anyway, we have more games to talk about. Eventually, we'll get to his stupid team and how they cost me money on Sunday. But first, we're going to talk about an AFC North battle between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. And this game I did cover on. Thank you very much. Um, but boy, oh, boy, the Browns just leave you a time to be desired, and especially at the quarterback position. Uh, they went 24 to 22 over the Ravens. Uh, but the storyline of this game, they led this game 24 to six at one point. I think it was halftime left 24 to six. Um, and this is Lamar Jackson left the game uh, in the first half and he did not come back. And I think the, the reports came back good, Matt. I think it's not a high ankle sprain, but a regular ankle sprain. Still not ideal for Lamar. Uh, so it could be Tyler Huntley here down the stretch and their schedule is tough. So things are going to look starting to look pretty bad for the Ravens. 
a couple of things with the Ravens. They can't block up cover zero blitz with Lamar Jackson. It's a problem now. It's officially a problem. Lamar Jackson doesn't know what to do with the cover zero blitz. The Ravens don't know how to run an offense against the cover zero blitz. They have too many wide receivers grouped together, not open. So Lamar, so Lamar Jackson either makes a really stupid throw or he gets sacked because he can't get out of it. So basically the moral of the story is if you're any team, just zero blitz the Ravens. And if you want to know what cover zero is, it's basically sending eight guys and only dropping three into coverage. Um, so literally cover zero. Uh, and then, um, you know, and you're sending the guys up the middle. You could, you could have four guys in blitz seven, but it just depends on your defensive setup there. Um, but the Browns, nah, no, I'm not buying them. You know, Baker Mayfield, bleh. Browns defense is the real deal. Um, you, you love their ground attack with Kareem Hunt and um, Nick Chubb. I like both those guys. Uh, Austin Hooper had a nice touchdown catch. Jarvis Landry had a touchdown catch. First one for a Browns wide receiver in forever, it feels like. So just not a whole lot here, Randy. I, I didn't come away impressed or have an epiphany about the Browns. I still think they stink. I think this is more about the Ravens not to be able to adjust. Ravens are in deep shit. I, I don't know how they get out of this. Um, really, the AFC North might be <laughs> the Bengals to lose. But, yeah, we'll talk about them later, too. I mean, I don't know how anyone could feel good about the Browns. They they scored 24 points in the first half, one of them being the Miles Garrett trifecta, got the strip sack, <laughs> got the recovery, and returned it for a touchdown all by himself. And in the second half, you let Tyler Huntley score 16 unanswered points, and they, they recovered an onside kick with a minute 15 left, and you thought there was a real chance. As long as they could get within 60, Justin Tucker was going to win this game. <laughs> now, luckily for the Browns, uh, they got a stop, and that, that didn't happen. But, man, the Browns just do not do a good job of putting away these games and making you feel good about themselves. And what's crazy watching them, they clearly need something that they had that they no longer have. And you know where I'm going with this. They need OBJ. They need an outside receiver who can get separation, who can make plays, who could, who could blow the roof off a of defense, who could take a slant to the house, which I know Odell hasn't done that in years, but my God, they do not have any explosiveness on their offense. Obviously they run the ball well, but the injuries to the offensive line has limited that as well. Baker Mayfield's limitations are so glaring they are hard to watch he had one interception on the stat sheet but could have thrown four yeah. i mean the ravens brutal secondary which is banged up in their own sense uh they dropped three picks and one of them hit them right in the numbers uh baker i thought was horrible in this game despite being 22 or 32 190 for two touchdowns I, I guess this is a conversation i heard on another show matt but i need to know what your thoughts are baker mayfield injured for the rest of the season or case keenum healthy what would you rather do and what do you think puts you in the best situation to win? You're seven and six now and you have a real shot to win the division and make the playoffs. If you were the Browns, what would you do? I would start Case Keenum healthy or injured. Baker Mayfield doesn't matter to me. I, I don't think Baker gives you the best chance to win Sundays uh, you know, on any given Sunday. I, I think Case Keenum can play the quarterback position at a much more efficient level than what Baker Mayfield's doing. Um, I don't want to say Baker Mayfield's a bad quarterback. I, I just, I, I think Baker feels too much about himself. He's too much um, kind of with the quarterback position. You got to strip down your ego. And a lot of it comes down to like what we say, check downs and then being able to hit the open man. And I think Case Keenum can do that better than Baker Mayfield at this point. 
I agree. I think there's just too many mistakes made by Baker on a regular basis, and it, and it hurts the Browns a ton. Uh, before we move on, I just want to give a couple shout-outs. Mark Andrews, I don't feel like we talk enough about on the show. We we have a big three at the tight end position in the NFL in Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. I think Andrews is in that four spot. He yeah. obviously is the, the target for the Ravens on offense. He is an absolute stud. He had 11 catches for 115 yards and a touchdown in this game. He has great hands, good route runner, just overall really steady. I don't think he's the best blocker ever, but really good offensive weapon for the Ravens. And then finally, the first round pick for Rashad Bateman, my guy in Minnesota, mm-hmm. finally had a good game here. It's seven for 103. Uh, I think that well, the Ravens are going to need him to step up because their receivers have always been lackluster and Hollywood is pretty inconsistent. So I'm interested to see what happens in this AFC North because it's just a lot of teams clumped in together. <laughs> we talked about the Bengals a little bit. A lot of teams. Uh, and now with Lamar out, I feel like the division is, is up for the taking. Yep, agreed. All right, moving on now, uh, let's go. Then we don't have to spend more than a couple minutes on this game. If that, uh, the Titans take care of business in the divisional game uh, against the Jags. They shut out the Jags 20 to nothing. And honestly, uh, the highlights of this game are sad. It is a Ryan Ryan Tannehill rushing touchdown. And then not a ton else. I mean, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in this game. Did not play well. The Jags had eight rushing yards on eight attempts. Uh, this was horrible all around by Jacksonville. And when you watch the the coach handshake at the end of the game, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a coach with more of a limp handshake in my life than what Urban Meyer has. He just nonchalantly just said, yeah, thanks. Um, I know he's got four years left and 40 million or whatever on the contract. I don't know how the Jags can justify bringing this man back. He is just an albatross to the sport. Yeah, it, it's really bad. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence. I know people are going to start writing their narratives that Trevor Lawrence, all you know, Zach Wilson's better, Justin Fields is better, Mac Jones is better, you know, um, Trey Lance, all, all this stuff. I mean, you just need to step back. And, you know, we talked about Sam Darnold enough with Adam Gase, and we know how much of an anchor that was on Adam or on Sam Darnold, but really Sam Darnold didn't help himself out either. <sighs> Adam Gase knew how to run concepts of an NFL offense. When you, when I sit down and I look at the tape and I'm going through what they're doing, it, it makes no sense. There's no rhyme or reason to this offense. They're trying to do things and there's not much Trevor Lawrence can do. You know, I think if, if you haven't played football, it's one of the biggest mind jobs a coach does to their players. And it starts off from an early age. Like I got to listen to coach. I got to listen to coach. So you really never question the coach's authority until you just get sick of it and get tired of it. And it's starting to feel like that's building up now with the Marvin Jones incident. To, to me, really, I, I I don't have a lot to add to this game. It was pathetic. It was sad. I'm done with Urban Meyer. They need He should have been fired yesterday to help out Trevor Lawrence. They're going to screw over Trevor Lawrence. And it just depends how much damage is going to be done beforehand. I still think he's going to be fine. Don't question his talent. That's just stupid. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still kind of disappointed in what I've seen from Lawrence. I thought he could overcome some of this ineptitude yeah. on the coaching front. But, man, this is like all-time bad stuff we're seeing from Urban Meyer here. Uh, there were reports before the game he was calling his coaches losers, and he had confirmed that report himself to Jake Glazer. Like, why is that something you're bragging about or talking about? I don't understand it. Um, he is – 
just the worst. I, I don't know if I can remember a coach being worse than Urban Meyer. And that says a lot. We've seen a lot of bad coaches, and uh, the Jags are an absolute mess. So I don't know what they do. Um, I know the cons have a lot of money. I think they can afford to eat the money from Urban and move on. I don't know if they have the pride to do such a thing, but, man, they should. Uh, on the Titans front, they're 9-4 and four now, seem to control their own destiny in the division. I don't know how serious I take them in the playoffs. They haven't seen that yet. I mean, 9-4, they still have the tied for the best record uh, in the AFC with the Patriots and the Chiefs. Um, and they have wins over the Chiefs. They have a win over the Chiefs, um, but not a win over the Patriots. Patriots beat them. But um, there was a report that uh, Derrick Henry is going to be back for the playoffs. Julio Jones came back for this game. I guess if they got healthy, they would be interesting. But I, I just don't trust the Titans to make a deep run. Do you think they can make a little noise in the playoffs, Matt? If Derrick Henry comes back, I think so. Um, a lot of it depends on where the games are played. There's still a lot of volatility left in the AFC. Um, so some big games are left to be played. So I think that depends. It just depends on who they get matchup wise, but Derrick Henry, if he's back and he's at hundred percent, that's going to be a load for a lot of teams to take down. Um, I actually would like to see the Titans against the Patriots. I think that would be a really entertaining game with Derrick Henry back. Can they? Huh. Sure. Will they? It just depends on Derrick Henry's health. He's the most important player on that team. Yep. Definitely hard to judge them with Deontay Foreman uh, running the rock for them. All right, to the Meadowlands now at MetLife Stadium where the New York Jets uh, scored nine points in a loss to the Saints. Uh, Taysom Hill put up a 30-burger uh, in the Meadowlands, and uh, he went 15-21, 175 yards in the air, but on the ground he had an 11-73 for in two touchdowns. This game was boring. Uh, that didn't take much away from it other than the Saints are just a better run organization, and Zach Wilson didn't have any of his weapons, so there was no – Michael Carter, there was no uh, Elijah Moore. To me, this Jets, really, I mean, I don't have a ton of talent around him anyway, but uh, without those two guys, it's hard to truly evaluate. So Wilson, 19-42 for 200 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. I just, I don't know if I necessarily see it from the guy, but as I said, hard to evaluate with the talent level around him. Uh, it was good to have Alvin Kamara back, 27 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown, and then he added four catches for 25 yards as well. Um, I don't get the whole Taysom Hill experience. I know it worked for this game against the Jets, but I don't know why the Saints are so infatuated with him. I, I don't want to add much to this game because I hated – I like I tuned in for parts of it. I tried watching other parts of it. it it's, it's a hard watch. But this game was really hard to sit down and watch. Zach Wilson from a quarterback position does a lot of things I hate. Um, to me, I don't think he has a feel of the game, Randy. It, it always feels like everything's moving at a gazillion miles per hour. He throws to guys like he's trying to break their fingers. It just doesn't make any sense. Like uh, the simplest plays, he wants to show that, you know, he can throw 100 miles per hour. If you want to go do that, go play professional baseball. You know, th this isn't the sport for that. You have to know when to put touch on it, when to, you know, put shape on a pass. And I don't, I don't think he has that skill set. I, I don't think he's a smart quarterback. I, I think he lacks football intelligence. So I'll be interested to see where he ends up. Yep. Uh, the Jets, I feel like, need a little bit more attention for him. Like, I know that he's out there playing, but I don't see the development. And I know maybe it takes more time than just game by game, but they're still making the same mistakes that are ones I feel like are easily correctable. So, yeah, uh, I'd be frustrated if I was a Jets fan. 
All right. Uh, to Landover, Maryland, where the team that represents the Washington District of Columbia uh, <laughs> uh, plays, they brought in the Cowboys, who also brought their own benches to the game, which is extra as fuck. Um, anyway, the Cowboys went out to a huge lead in this game. They were up, what was it, 27 to 8 uh, at one point, even bigger than that, probably. But they hang on to win 27 to 20. This game was over until it wasn't. Uh, Dak Prescott threw a pick six in the fourth quarter that kept Washington right in this game. Uh, Taylor Heineke left this game with an injury. Uh, and uh, Kyle Allen, I think it was Kyle Allen, came in the game trying to make the comeback, but it was not enough. To me, I mean, there's two narratives for the Cowboys coming out of this game. One being Dak Prescott does not look like himself. I think he kind of looks, there's something clearly wrong. Maybe he's more hurt than being led on to. He went 22 of 39, 211 yards, touchdown, and two picks, including that pick six that I mentioned. The other one being the Cowboys defense is for real, and it's partially because Randy Gregory made a return, and he made an unbelievable interception play in this game. But the main reason is that they have the defensive rookie of the year who is also a defensive (laughs) player of the year candidate in Micah Parsons. Uh, His stats are insane. He only had three tackles in this game, but he had two sacks, uh, and I think he had two forced fumbles. I mean, Micah Parsons is a game wrecker. He is unblockable, and he totally blew up whatever plan Washington had, and he's the one ultimately who knocked Heineke out of the game. So Cowboys offense I leaves a lot to be desired, but the defense is playing at a level that they haven't touched so far this year. Yeah, it's, it's a story of the Cowboys defense. They made Heineke, who's been okay against other teams, look all right. I, I just never felt Washington had a chance in this game. Um, they, they did mount a little bit of a comeback. But still not enough. This Dallas defense is elite, one of the top five units in the NFL defensively. Um, Parsons an absolute stud. I have him as my defensive player of the year right now, Randy. It is truly incredible that this kid can play inside linebacker, outside linebacker, and edge rusher. And he does all three of those at an elite level. So really the sky's the limit. Randy Gregory, all the weed concerns, all the issues he had in his past, and Jerry Jones still believing in him. You got to give Jerry credit because this was Jerry's guy and he persevered and now he made, you know, he's turning into a really, really good football player. Uh, Dak, there, there's injuries there. There's got to be something there because I'm not sure if it's just, you know, they're tired or what's going on, but Dak does not look right. But still good enough to get the win here. Washington's done. Put, you know, stick a fork in them. Dallas is winning the East. I think Washington is still technically a playoff seed right now, but I, I don't feel great about them going forward. No, uh, I don't like how they looked in this game. I just want to put this into perspective, and I shared this in the group chat with you because it involves your team. But through 13 games, Micah Parsons is already having better numbers than Khalil Mack had in his defensive player of the year season. Uh, he has more sacks, tackles, tackles for losses, and QB hits than Mac had in an entire season. So, I mean, this just shows how dominant he's been. He has 12 sacks, 75 tackles, 17 tackles for losses, and 27 quarterback hits in just 13 games. That is insane what he's done so far this year. Micah Parson needs to come talk to me when he wins a defensive player of the year at defensive end and then outside linebacker. Then we can have – I'm not saying it to disparage Khalil Mack. I'm just (laughs) using it as perspective – for how great um, uh, yeah, he's fantastic. I, I, I love Michael Parsons. Like I said, um, kind of shot up my uh, defensive player of the year and I, I love him. And I think he's going to get it. I, he should, he, he's, he's a game wrecker. He's the best defensive player in football. I still think TJ Watt probably is. And then Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett deserve their, their just flowers too. But um, 
uh, he's up there. He has skyrocketed up to that level for sure. Um, and honestly, they have another one in Diggs. I think that outside of those four, Diggs is the next guy you might consider, and he's on the same defense. So the Cowboys defense has a ton of talent all around. I hate it, but it's true. Um, the Cowboys now nine and four, basically a lock to win the NFC East. I, they all but sealed the division with this win, um, unless they completely fall apart and the Eagles somehow go on a tear. I don't necessarily seeing that happen. So um, I get to watch the Cowboys this Sunday when I go to the game at MetLife Stadium when they play Mike Lennon and the Giants. Fun stuff. Really looking forward to that. Not, not really. Uh, <laughs> down to the NFC, uh, the NFC South, um, where the Carolina Panthers and the Falcons awesome. played. Um, and the Falcons are now also very uh, much alive in the NFC playoff picture. And they have the lowest DBA of any team in the league. That's pretty hard to believe on offense and defense. <laughs> um, they went 29 to 21 over the Panthers. And I know the, you know the Falcons won, and it's all cool. And we could talk about their ability to rush with Davis and Patterson. It looked like they're playing well. Matt Ryan just does just enough to get the job done. Um, I'm not really that impressed with Matt Ryan. But the what the hell are the Panthers doing? <laughs> they fired their offensive coordinator, and now Matt Rule just decides to throw Cam Newton and P.J. Walker out there in every other possession as if you're a college team who doesn't have a quarterback. You just have two that you say are competing, but neither are really good enough to take over the main role. Um, Cam Newton was 15 of 23 for 178 yards and a pick. P.J. Walker was 6 of 12 for 75 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. I don't understand this. They both, I mean, Cam played a little bit more than PJ, but they essentially split the time. The Panthers feel like a big time mess, and I don't know what's going to change. You know, we talk about Urban Meyer. We talk about Matt Rule and this whole college coaching. And you know what? Jim Caldwell sitting out there. He got mm-hmm. unjustly fired from Detroit. And I, I go back to Carolina. Like, if I'm the Bears right now, and I know, you know, we kind of already got off them, but any team looking for a head coach this offseason – Jim Caldwell is so perfect, especially for a young quarterback. Um, if the Jets move off of Robert Sala, which I don't think is out of the question, it, it's unlikely yeah. that yeah, it might. Um, or we could look at a guy like, um, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Giants, to be honest with you, to move <laughs> up Joe Judge. But here's the thing, like Matt Rule has done no favors to any of his quarterbacks. Um I think Joe Brady unfairly got blamed for this mess in Carolina when it's his, you know, when you start feeling heat, you fire the person that will take the most heat off of you. Remember Matt rule came in as this offensive guru from college was supposed to revolutionize the Panthers offense. And he's shit a brick, you know, let's just face it. What it is just, it's a coaching issue with Carolina. That's all there is to it. Falcons. We see it. Arthur Smith has made all the difference with that football team. He's rebranded them. They're physical. They're not a talented football team. This is not a very good football team, but what he's done has been an outstanding coaching job. And this is why I loved Arthur Smith. To me, two teams heading in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. Atlanta's going to get more talented. They're going to start rebuilding that roster. Carolina, they got to figure out their next head coach. They don't have them. And Matt Rule stinks. I, I think Carolina's down in the druthers. They thought they could fix Sam Darnold. That ain't happening. And now you have this stupid quarterback thing you got going with P.J. Walker and Cam Newton. It's a mess. Carolina's toxic. Well, it goes back to Rule. Okay, obviously the most important thing is quarterback. But Rule is the decision maker with this because they gave him a ton of control in that aspect. So his first move was to, to okay, Cam Newton's gone. 
They trade or they, they sign Teddy Bridgewater. It's a mega deal, like a huge deal, way too much money for Teddy Bridgewater. After a year, you go, you know what? I don't really want to try the Teddy Bridgewater thing anymore. Let's trade a second round pick, I believe it was. It was yeah. a third round pick for second. Sam Darnold, who was a big mess with the Jets. Like I know a lot of people still believe that he could turn it around. I certainly wasn't one of them. That looked good after three weeks, kind of, and that completely fell apart. Now you bring Cam Newton back, and this is what you have going on right now. Like, you're in quarterback hell, and the rest of your roster is not good enough to make up for it. Your running back that you paid a ton of money for hasn't been able to stay on the field at all the last two years. You're just – the defense is banged up. Your first-round pick's out for the year. The Panthers just have this just mess all around them here, and they are going to be involved in any of these potential quarterback availabilities. I know Henry likes to joke that Jimmy G is going to be out to the, on the Giants next year. The Giants don't have enough money for Jimmy G. I could see Jimmy G on the Panthers. I could see the Panthers making a call on Derek Carr. I could see the Panthers being in on Aaron Rodgers. Probably not going to happen, but I could see it. I could see them making calls about Russell Wilson. And I could see them, and this has already been rumored, but – Deshaun Watson was also a name being thrown out there for a possibility for Carolina. So I don't know if any team is going to make a move for Deshaun Watson, but if there was any, I think Carolina and maybe Miami might even just stick it out out with Tua. I could see Carolina being desperate enough to do it. Um, To your point about um, Arthur Smith, though, how many teams was Cordero Patterson on for the last nine years uh, until he could actually become a real playmaker in this league? I mean, was it six? Yep. No, he, <laughs> he's, he's been he's around. A player now. Well, he, he was an all pro kick returner for a long time. I mean, he's always been good. I, be, I believe he started off with the Vikings and he was great at returning kicks for the Vikings. So this is not all that surprising to me that as far as his athletic ability, but what, what is surprising is like, okay, now we know how to use them. So that's right. Uh, he wanted, he was an all pro and a pro bowler in special teams for many different years. Uh, most recently the Patriots, but none of those teams he was on ever utilized him correctly on offense. And now you're seeing uh, someone actually utilize his talent. So I agree. Two, two teams going in different directions. I don't know if they fire rule. They might chalk it up to having quarterback issues, but man, oh man, he seems like he's just as big of a problem as those quarterbacks. Yep. Agreed. Anyway, I mean, the Falcons, <laughs> Falcons might make the playoffs. Who knows? Yeah, they, they might. They might sneak up on Washington. I think they, they can get chance. Ridley back. They might actually make some noise. Who knows? Um, I know their first round pick pits have made a huge play down the stretch in that game. Yep. Uh, all right. Now down to Houston, where they have so many problems. Uh, and the Seahawks are one of them. Uh, Seattle wins this one 33 to 13. I think the final score was, yes, 33 13. Uh, and this is probably the best Seahawks game all year. Obviously, they beat the Niners a couple weeks ago, but that was sort of um, nervous and energy around that one. Didn't think you were going to win that. But, hey, it's the Texans. They also uh, just like to give people games. So, uh, Russell Wilson looked okay in this game. I don't think it was great, but 17-28, 260, and the two touchdowns. But this was the most random game of ball because Rashad Penny, <laughs> former first-round pick, had himself a day, 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I, if you told me Rashad Penny was going to go off, I would have said, what team does he play for? I did not think he was still on the Seahawks, but good for him. Tyler Lockett, 5 for 142 on a touch. Um, and the Seahawks rolled. Uh, this, the Texans are now in, let's see what we have in Davis Mills mode. Uh, he is 33 of 49 and a touchdown for, and he actually had 331 yards passing. I have a bad feeling the Texans are going to talk themselves into Davis Mills so they don't have to draft one of these quarterbacks. And I think it's going to be a mistake. But I don't know if I love any of these quarterbacks. Maybe it's not that big of a mistake. 
the Texans stink and the Seahawks do too, but hey, nice win for Seattle. Yeah, um, Texans are just a mess overall. Seattle's got to figure out some things with their roster, um, especially Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. But Houston, are they going to keep Watson? I think I think they're going to move off him. I think they already made that decision. Will it be to the Panthers? I don't know. I Dark horse here, and I, I don't know how likely it is because we talk about the Giants a lot, but the Giants have the trade ammunition with the hot picks. <laughs> they wouldn't. They didn't draft Micah Parsons because he had rumors of, um, you know, like sexual harassment at Penn State. So they won't. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I, I think at the end of the day is that he's getting traded. I don't know where he's going to get traded to. Houston's a mess. Seattle's got to figure out this thing with Pete and Russell because it's obviously very broken at this point. To me, it will be interesting to see what happens. But this game was epitome of two franchises. Both are kind of like blowing in the wind. Neither of them are really good. And they have a lot of stuff to figure out. I wouldn't read too much into this game. Russ had a nice game. But, um, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this game. I just think they're just two bad football teams playing to a game where, you know, Seattle wins in a blowout fashion. Yeah, uh, nothing really else to add. This game means nothing as far as the future of the NFL. Uh, it's just a nice, I guess, if you're a Seahawks fan, it makes you feel a little bit better about your week. So good for you. And uh, ultimately, they will have to make that decision, whether it's Russ or Pete. I would personally just fire Pete and, and keep Russ. But, hey, teams do dumb stuff all the time. So I think Russ is much more of a realistic candidate for the Giants. Um, and I think they could easily just offer two first-round picks and Daniel Jones, and I would throw in Leonard Williams just to even out the cap situation. So I, 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 that's the kind of deal I've been looking at if, if that was possible. But, um, yeah, I don't think that game meant anything. I'm totally going to forget that it existed in five minutes. Moving on, speaking of those New York kind of football playing team Giants, <laughs> um, they went to SoFi Stadium, and they don't even deserve to play in a stadium that beautiful, to be honest with you, because they were not playing football. They were not playing a sport that exists uh, in that sort of venue. Um this was all Chargers. I know the score says 37 to 21, but trust me, it was not that close. This game was 37 to seven in the fourth quarter. And the Chargers just like threw out the cheerleaders and said, you guys can go play the fourth quarter for us. And the Giants really struggled with that. And dude, to be honest with you, <laughs> and uh, the one takeaway I have with this game is, man, in an alternate universe, Justin Herbert is playing quarterback for the Giants. And I am a much happier person. He made an unbelievable and one of the best throws you're going to see all year. And we talk about Rodgers and how good he is. And, and you know, nobody's like him. Justin Herbert has that vibe around him too. I know the radio call said there's only one guy in the league who can make that throw. I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think a few guys could have made the throw. Man, but if you haven't seen it right before halftime, Herbert throws a bomb, an absolute ridiculous, most accurate, like one of the most accurate 60 plus yard throws I've ever seen to Jalen Guyton. It was, it was only a 59 yarder, but when you do the drop back and you roll out to the right, it was more than 60 yards in the air and he didn't even have to break stride. It was perfectly thrown. Even there was a pause of silence from the broadcasters just in awe of the ball that he threw. Um, check that out. Just check out Herbert. He's, he's just sick. And uh, that's really all I have to say. The giants are awful. Mike Lennon sucks. And uh <laughs> Fire everybody. Fire everybody. Yeah, no, it, it was a bad showing by the Giants. I don't know how long this quarterback situation can keep on surviving with Glennon Jones and, you know, um, who's the other guy they had? Um, Jake Fromm, baby. Jake Fromm. Well, 
Jesus, Jake Fromm. Oh my God. It's that bad, eh? Well, you know, the bright news is Saquon Barkley had 16 carries for 64 yards. The first time he's broken 60 yards since like week three. <laughs> he's back, baby. Yeah, I just go back to this Giants team is so flawed in a lot of different areas. You know, uh, the, the Chargers, we kind of felt like would make a run. I, I, I think the AFC West has really good teams in it, even the Raiders to a certain extent, but that was just too much. It was a mismatch. Chargers are going to blow them out. It is what it is. It's the end result. Justin Herbert, you know, he, he's in that upper echelon of quarterbacks now. Like, he, he's there. He, he's arrived. You know, he's there with Pat Mahomes. By the way, Pat Mahomes could have made that throw. You know, I'm just saying. Pat yes. Mahomes. I think Rodgers could have too. Yeah, and, and I think Matthew Stafford is another guy who's just got a cannon for an arm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Kyle I think Marshall. the most impressive part, though, about the throws, he's rolling out and he got hit as he did it. Yeah. Like a lot of times you need a crow hop to make a throw like that. And he kind of just did a quick little play, like just to set himself. Like that's yeah. what I'm most impressed about. Yeah, no, the, the, the aesthetics are definitely um, interesting for Justin Herbert. He, he just he throws probably one of the prettiest deep balls you'll ever see. Um, you know, and, and that's where it compares with Rodgers and them. But yeah, I agree. The Chargers are going to make the playoffs. I, I think that's a given. So it's a good one for the Chargers to have a bye week. That's not really a bye week, but you know they got to play the Giants, so it's a bye week. So go Chargers. Uh, the Chargers. I feel like there's a lot of people just expecting the Chargers to charger with this game, but the Giants just are too shitty for that to happen. So I, I don't think that was possible in this one. Um, it's important to note, though, they play Thursday uh, against the Chiefs uh, and Eckler left early in this game. So they might not have Eckler and they already did not have. Um, yeah. What's his name? I can't. Why does his name just slip my mind? But Keenan Allen for yeah. this game. So COVID. they might be shorthanded in a huge game against the Chiefs, which if they were to win, they could they could probably win that division. But um, they're going to be shorthanded. But we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited to watch that one so far on Thursday, which we will talk about in our Thursday show our brand new Thursday show coming up on Thursday. That's right. Don't miss now, it. Moving on. That's a, a cheap, cheap plug. Uh, <laughs> enough to talk, talk a ton about this one, but the Broncos uh, took care of business against the lions uh, 38 to 10. And uh, like we talked about Demarius Thomas at the top of the show, this was a game clearly played with a heavy heart on Denver's part. Um, they, they took the field at the beginning of the game with 10 players. And it's some, the, a lot of the NBA teams did something similar when uh, Kobe Bryant died, they let the clock run out and uh, took the penalty. This time, they took a um, you know a delay of game penalty, but they, the Lions declined it. So good job on. And we talked about how uh, um, the coach for the Lions there just gets it. Dan Campbell, he just understands it. I think this is another um, aspect of that. But the Lions clearly outmatched here. The Broncos uh, playing inspired football. Melvin Gordon, twenty-four for one hundred and eleven and two touchdowns. John T. Williams, fifteen for seventy-three and a touchdown. The Denver runs the ball very well. I don't think and they have a really good uh, two-headed attack with that, and they are clearly as good as those two guys are going to take them. And Javante Williams is going to be a really good running back in this league, and uh, he looks like one of the better ones already. Um, the Lions are a mess, and now they have, I believe it's called a palindrome, if I got that right, as a record. They are 1-11-1 on the <laughs> season, so it's just the same front as it is backwards. So I feel like that is such a Lions thing. Um, Jared Goff, 24 of 39, 215, a touchdown and a pick. Not much to say here about Detroit and uh, Denver seven and six also very relevant in the AFC playoff picture. Yeah. I think the coolest moment for me was the Broncos last touchdown drive went exactly 88 yards. So 
I mean, it's just a, a lot of feel good stuff. You know, the Broncos are seven and six. They look like a fringy playoff team. Um, I, I, I hope they make it because I like Vic Fangio and I hope mm-hmm. he's able to keep his job there in Denver because he's a really good coach, I believe. Um, Teddy Bridgewater had a nice game. I take that away from him. And like we said, Dan Campbell just gets it. You said it perfectly, Randy. He, he's, he just he understands the gravity of the moment. Whether he's a good NFL head coach or not, that, 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 that's, you know, we could debate that. that. That's a lot of discussion there. But th- th- this was all set up for them to get the doors blown off. And they won big, you know, that big got that weight lifted off of them. That would have been perfect to end the season for them. <laughs> but unfortunately, mm-hmm. they got more football to play and they got their brains beat in. So um, Broncos covered the spread. You know, which I thought they would anyway. So good for the Broncos. And you know what? Lions, brighter days might be ahead. Yeah, I think they got a player here in Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, he has that game-winning touchdown catch against the Vikings, and he had eight for 73 in this one. I, I do think he's looking pretty good. Um, so I guess that's for not for nothing, I think you got a good player there, and I still like Sewell. I think you have a good offensive line. So uh, if you ended up drafting a quarterback, I don't think it's the worst uh, situation ever talent-wise. No. Uh, in Denver, you know, hey, they're going to be playing with a heavy heart the rest of the season. I think that could galvanize the team, and I think that could really, you know, help rally the troops and potentially make a run here. You don't, don't, under, don't underestimate a team uh, playing, you know, with their emotions like that. I, I do think that is uh, something that can inspire them to be greater than something else. So uh, I, I think that makes that adds a little, uh, you know, element to the Broncos season here that I don't think we should necessarily ignore. Um, all right. We got two more games here, and Henry, it's time. We can we can do it here, and uh, I didn't want to do it, um, but I'm going to do it, and I think I'm going to say it. I kind of impressed by the 49ers. <laughs> I, I didn't expect to be here, but here we are. Um, the Niners go into Cincy and win in overtime, 26 to 23 over the Bengals. Um, and what I think I'm most impressed by is the fact that um, the Bengals go into overtime. And they kick a field goal to go up 23 to 20. And I feel like so many times when the team takes a, a lead in overtime, especially the home team, um, it usually, usually you answer with a field goal and they come down and win, or you just go three and out or something and they lose. This time, the Niners got the ball back and just drove right down the field and won the game. I don't know how many times I've seen that before when the, you know, the other team takes the lead and you came back and you still scored a touchdown and won. I, I feel like I haven't seen that that many times. And I think the Niners finally unlocked something here that – Makes me think totally differently of them if this is what it is going forward. They unlocked George Kittle. Who knew George <laughs> Kittle was good at football? <laughs> they are finally treating George Kittle like a great player that he is. We love George Kittle on the show. And finally, finally, we are freeing George Kittle. He had 13 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown and a great diving catch to keep the sticks moving in overtime. George Kittle is a great blocker. He is all around fantastic football player and if the Niners have him playing at this level and they're going to make him a focal point of their team I think they're per- I personally think they're going to be dangerous do I trust that going forward I don't know but we'll, we'll we will see Brandon Ayuk also making plays here Brandon Ayuk had the walk-off touchdown he was able to stay in bounds reach the ball over the pylon and score I think the the, the Niners radio call of the whole thing is pretty embarrassing and there's a big time uh Joke, uh, but that's besides the point. It doesn't change that Ayuk helps this offense a ton. And you can see it in Jimmy Garoppolo, who was 27 of 41, 296 yards, and two touchdowns. 
the Niners looking pretty like a pretty complete team here because on defense they also look solid as well. They really you know limited the Bengals until the second half, and honestly, since he scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to push this game in overtime, up until then they only had six points. So I really like the Niners. Uh, I do not expect to like him as much as I did. Uh, just for Henry's um, sake, I'll add that Nick Bosa uh, himself added two sacks in this game. So uh, I expected more out of the Bengals. I really thought they uh, would, you know, they could really win the division if they won this game and kind of run away with it. Now I have my doubts and the Niners look like they are for sure playoff team in the NFC. Yeah, I, I think it's, Interesting. Joe Burrow had a really nice game. Jamar Chase did okay. T. Higgins played well. I, I, to me, this is a bigger indictment on the Bengals. You could have really stepped up in that AFC North and claimed stake to that's your division, and they just let the 49ers jump out to an early lead. Um, really, to me, it's one of the more gutless performances by a defense I've seen. Um by Cincinnati I don't feel that San Francisco necessarily won this game as they were given this game because anytime you let a team start off as hot as they let Niners jump out I believe at one point it was 17 to 3 um, San Francisco up on the Bengals and they couldn't get anything offensively you know the Bengals scored 14 points it was 20 to 6 in the fourth quarter yeah yeah and you know just to me, that's not the Bengals I wanted to see. And I think it's, a, you know, like I said, an indictment on the Bengals. You, you want to be mentioned with the Titans, um, you know, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Chiefs, even the Chargers. And they're none of that right now. Um, you know, even the Ravens aren't that good. So the AFC North might be a bucket of trash at this point. Um, you know, for me, the 49ers secret formula has always been George Kittle. The more you get him involved, Debo Samuel's a great player. I don't want to take anything away from Debo. Um, I, I still think Jimmy Garoppolo has so many flaws that you can easily expose. Are the 49ers a good football team? We've seen them get bullied by the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they lost a, well, I believe they lost to the Seahawks too. Yep. So Recently. yeah, it, it's just those things like, who are you? In, in my opinion, George Kittle has to be leading them in targets in order for this team to be successful. Um, the, the running game, when Mitchell gets healthy and he's able to play again, I think that will help them. But I just, I, it's not a team I feel good about. It's too Jekyll and Hyde. It's too, you know, they have to be given games rather than take games. The Bears game is a perfect example. I mean, the Bears just totally just shit the bed and gave them that game. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I just I don't feel good about it. The 49ers have great players like Bosa's great. Trent Williams. I love Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in the game. And then, you know, you got Debo, who I love Debo. I think he's a great player, too. And, you know, obviously we talked about Kittle, but it's just all the surrounding pieces. And I, I forget. I can't take away Fred Warner, but you have all these pieces and you're seven and six. It, it, it just like what the fuck? What are you? And we blame it on it. We can talk about injuries and all this stuff, but. No, I mean, I, I'm out on the 49ers making noise in the playoffs. I just, they, they have to show more against the better teams. And to me, like I said, Cincinnati does not feel like one of the better teams in the league. 
Fair enough. I think the Bengals are fun, but I don't think they're serious or ready for primetime quite yet. Uh, I do think that the Niners, uh, a large part of their roster has at least made a Super Bowl. Um, so they have some sort of playoff experience. So I don't think they would be afraid to go into Lambeau, for example, and play a football game. I don't trust Jimmy G for anything, quite frankly, but I think as long as Kittle is kind of leading the charge there, I, I do like them a little bit more. And Corey Decker wants us to point out that they did lose the Cardinals in one of those games was with Colt McCoy. So I think that should be noted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bengals, look, I'm a little disappointed. I still think they have a chance to win the division, but uh, at home, they're only three and four. They lost a couple of games that they probably should have won. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow, 25 of 34, 348 yards, two touchdowns. The guy's an absolute stud. Uh, he is clutch as all hell. Um, I love him. I love his uh, moxie. I, I, this, it also goes back to, though, what we talked about so much in the draft process, they should have taken Sewell. <laughs> they should have taken Slater. Uh, so they take Chase, who has been great, but the offensive line for the Bengals keeps putting Burrow in situations to make mistakes and to potentially get hurt. And we're seeing that down the stretch here. He is constantly running for his life on every play. So uh, that, that, I mean, yeah, Chase is great and they have good weapons, but would this team still be just as good, if not better, if they had a little bit better offensive line and they had Higgins and they have Boyd and Uzoma and maybe they sign a free agent wide receiver who doesn't cost you chase money um, and and go from there. I don't know. I just sort of spitball on here, but I think the Bengals might still have a little regret they didn't take alignment. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And then uh, last one, Buffalo and Tampa. Yeah, let's I'd save this one for the last because that game, this was one of the more uh, exciting red zone days ever, I think, <laughs> especially because the four o'clock window was so exciting. It's mainly with these two games. Um, the Niners walked off, and then minutes later, the Bucks also walked off. Um, this, uh, both these games obviously ending in overtime. The Bucks went 33 to 27 on when Tom Brady hit Rashad Breeland. Uh, <laughs> the only catch of the game went for 58 yards in the touchdown that ended it. It is Brady's seven. 100th career touchdown if you include the postseason i don't even have like 700 so that's pretty amazing <laughs> just it's uh brady continues to just do things that aren't even fathomable to be honest uh he went 31 of 46 336 yards and two touchdowns but honestly i don't even know if brady was the best quarterback on the field for the second half of that game at, at least josh allen really played great i thought at the end of this game allen was 36 of 54 308 yards two touchdowns and a pick and he also had 12 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown and i think that's what elevates the bills here because they're not a great rushing team they don't have great running backs they don't even have a great offensive line their quarterback's extremely mobile this is what i wanted them to do against the patriots on that monday night football game was to run josh allen because he is a great athlete who's capable of doing that and he really willed them to overtime in this game because they were losing what was it 27 to 10 in the fourth quarter of this game and then buffalo came storming back coming out of halftime they were down 24 to 3 24 to 3 so this game was all but over. I mean, I, I was writing them up. I was trolling my Bills friends. Like I was, and then they came back, and I'm like, "Holy hell!" Josh Allen really did his thing here in the second half. Um, and if I'm a Bills fan, I'm very frustrated with the officiating because I thought Diggs was interfered with in the end zone at the end of this game. Yep. Um, I also thought, you know, there was a call when they went three and out in overtime that could have been made that wasn't. Um, and then Evans gets the call in overtime too, which I think was a little touchy. So. I think there's a warrant there, too, if you're a Bills fan, to be a little upset about the officiating. That doesn't change the fact I still think you could have won this game. 
um, despite all of those things. I don't like to blame the officiating completely. Like you're down 24 to three. Don't, don't be down 24 to three. Maybe you win. Um, instead of taking a field goal to tie, you still could have gone for it. And in overtime, don't go three and out. You, you could have made other plays besides that one uh, that could have changed the outcome of this game. Um, the Bucks 10 to three now look pretty good. The Bills seven and six ultimately still feel like a playoff team, but I don't feel as good about them. I, I feel better about Josh Allen, but not as good about the Bills as a whole. Yeah, Josh Allen got hurt this game. That's to be noted. Um, it looks like yes. he may play. Turf toe, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's sure. something with his foot, um, foot or ankle. Uh, b- big thing here to take away at the end of the day, Randy, as we talked about it, the Buccaneers are ten and three now, and it sets it sets up nicely for them. They could easily win out, much like the Packers. So you could be looking at you know the one and two seed here. And going to Tampa is not always the easiest thing in January because you just get swamped, but, and it's just kind of a miserable experience. <laughs> but, you know, I take away Leonard Fournette here. Like Leonard Fournette is looking really, really good. Looking like the number four mm-hmm. overall pick that the Jaguars tabbed him to be. Jesus Christ. Running yeah. backs being drafted in top five, never a good business. Um, for the team that drafted them especially. <laughs> yes, for the team that drafted them especially. 19 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Brashard Perriman with the game-winning touchdown in overtime. X-Bear, X a lot of things. and Like X-Jet. <laughs> yeah, X-Jet, and he saves the game. Amazing what a quarterback that knows how to use guys and an offensive coach that knows how to use guys, what they can do with them. Really amazing stuff there. Um the Bucks defense really kind of let down in the fourth quarter. Like you see these furious comebacks. Let's face it, you know, 17 points in the fourth quarter for the Bills. And, and then we saw it again with the uh, Bengals scoring all those points in the sec- in the fourth quarter as well. And then the Giants scoring fourth quarter points. And it, like at a certain point, it really infuriates me that a team gives up that many points in the fourth quarter. Because to me, it's just like, why don't you play the way you played when you shut them down? Like you yeah. go to this soft ass defense, you start playing zone coverage, you play prevent. It's just aggravating. Play what got you there. You know, D- don't take your foot off the pedal because then that sets up poorly for next week. I think momentum carries over and you want to get it. So a little disappointed in the bucks here. I, I, I do think they're better than Buffalo. I do like them as a two seed in the NFC. It sets up well. Congratulations, Tom Brady. Go Tom Brady whatever really overcame a ton of adversity mr brady you know it's about time they started looking up for him you know <laughs> just yep. you know so many times just to get knocked down he keeps getting back up you know it's really really inspiring yep, <laughs> yep. a tip of the cap so good yeah job. the bill i didn't, the bills really got to start getting their act together here or they're gonna miss the playoffs but uh i do think they're good enough to make the postseason but i don't think they're gonna win the division i think that's out of reach at this point yep. well randy hell of a show All right, well yeah, before, you know, this is the first edition of this, but before we go, you know, we don't ever really talk about this. We never have the time. And honestly, we went longer than we probably both expected to in this game. But, hey, fantasy playoff season is here. If you're lucky enough to make the playoffs, uh, you're looking for waivers. I got a couple of names for you. I don't, Matt, I don't know if you, you have a couple. I got two receivers, two I already gave shout-outs to in this episode, Amon Ross St. Brown of the Detroit Lions and Rashad Bateman of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I checked out. My fantasy team just – I they've sucked. I've tried everything. Yeah, rubber band, sticks, gum, everything. It's just bad. I don't have anything for the people fantasy-wise, but listen to Randy. Yeah, I think those are two good names. If you're in the postseason, you need a receiver. I like both of those options. Uh, But, Matt, uh, we got some shows under this Life Group umbrella. Why don't we tell uh, the folks about them, and then when we're going to be back on Thursday. Yep, so um, we have – 
Um, well, I just found out last week that the Workshoot Wrestling podcast may be on hiatus because of Jason Brooks. You know, congratulations to him and his family, the new additions. So congratulations to you. So expect to hear, you know, good things for them. Um, Dong City, I don't know when they're going next with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr., but when they come on, great show to listen to. The Step Back podcast in basketball life is every other Monday. So go check those boys out. They do a great job. Love listening to them. Um, they should be back next Monday as they recorded last Monday. So love hearing them and their love affair with the Chicago Bulls. Always appreciated. And then, um, you know, Felipe Melicio goes every Sunday morning, I believe. So check those guys out for uh, – I don't even know, Total Basis Podcast, uh, Persuado Podcast, I don't know. But good baseball stuff. Um, baseball's kind of the brothers. And then check us out. Tuesdays at noon Eastern, Thursdays at noon, or at 2 Eastern. So Tuesday, noon, Thursday, 2, all Eastern Standard Time. And we'll make sure we'll post that in the group. Yeah, going back to our two-show schedule, but I think people are going to like the daytime slate. I think we had a good turnout so far today. Um, but, yeah, we'll see you guys back here on Thursday to preview all of the Week 15 action. We get Saturday football this week. It's the holidays. Man, we're getting football galore. No more bye weeks. Uh, I love this time of year. It's so exciting. But I want to thank all of you guys for joining us today, whether on Facebook Live, watching us on YouTube, or listening to us on the audio-only platforms. We greatly appreciate you taking some time and making us a little part of your day, wherever you may be. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying see you guys on Thursday.